Coaches, athletes, weekend warriors. Have you thought about recovery or regeneration? Today we oftentimes think in training about the stimulus we put on our body and the workload that we do to fatigue us daily, but we don't give enough to the recovery component. Simply Faster has numerous options to enhance your recovery in between the sessions of work that you put your body through daily. They have Theraguns, Normatic Regeneration Kits, and they're all cost-effective options. My athletes at my high school often use the Theragun in between intervals, race days, and training sessions. In the world we live in, it's hard to guarantee that we're going to get a doctor's visit. Simply Faster provides you the option where you don't have to be behind a paywall to get the care that you need with the equipment that they provide. So get yourself the regeneration and recovery that you need and level up. Simply Faster. Check it out. Static stretching, we also will rotate through our three phases. So we'll have a basic static stretch, which is low intensity. Then we go to a partner static stretch routine in the phase two, that's a little bit more intense. And then we'll have our PNF, so we have a push, relax, push, relax. And so that's a way, even within your static stretching and your dynamic stretching, you're moving that forward where athletes never get bored. And their bodies are adapting and they become more mobile, they become more prepared, and they've got a new unique skill set of different angles and movements that they have that their legs are going through um, that helps them warm up. So, and as you can see here, we've got different leg swings and different types of things that we do with our athletes as we move through the, the process. So again, two different packages, three phases. So you're gonna to have to have basically a total of six different types of general warm-ups. Okay, so you have to plan six for a three-month season. Okay, so you're going three months. So about every month, you're switching up. Then we have our team huddle. We talked about this earlier. You're, you've got your Google surveys and all that kind of stuff. But another thing that we do is um, we will do some other things where they will fill out some other information for us. So like, how are you feeling about practice? How hard was yesterday's practice? How was your day? And they'll answer like four or five questions and you can do it from nine to 10, most ready, least ready. And you fill that data in, okay? And you do that before practice. So they all get their phone out, they go to the Google link, they answer the questions, and that's it. They put their phones up, and then we go throughout the rest of our practice. Now in the team huddle, as I talked about, I don't go into crazy long-winded speeches, but I do tell them what the expectation is of the workout, okay? And when you're dealing with your sprinters, you will have a separate team huddle with them to talk about their paces, their, their amount of reps, what they're doing, recoveries and you explain all that stuff to that individual group. Now just because you explain once doesn't mean you're not going to have to explain it again. You will of course have to explain it. But the biggest thing you need to do for sprinters is they're like, why are we doing this? Okay? This is stupid. I don't like doing this. You'll hear that from time to time on the days that you ask them to do hard stuff like Coach was talking about those tempo 200s and short recovery. That can get pretty hard. Okay? So you gotta explain to them, well, the reason why we're doing this is for this particular part of your race. Now, this is not a time to give them a biology lesson. It's just to explain, this is the purpose of the workout, this is why we're doing it, and this, 
here's my expectation of you in this world. So that's when we do that. And then we have our quote of the day, which is usually tied into a theme or something that's going on in campus. So if there's an issue, you know, because you as a coach, just like mom and dad, sometimes you become white noise to them when you're talking to them, you know, when they're not really focused, they're not really listening. But if you bring up a quote from Drake or LeBron James or, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, somebody really famous, they might pay attention to that, right? You know, and then that kind of gets them engaged. And then you can kind of re-come back to that over and over and over again throughout your practice because of whatever we're trying to do. So after that, and usually I tell a funny joke or try to tell a funny joke. Not always funny. You know, you can see the kids are kind of cracking up at me. You know, when we do our team huddles before meets, I'll dance and do goofy stuff like that to try to loosen up the, the crowd a little bit. So we do our team huddle before competitions also. Um, but this is a time to just kind of set the tone for the day and, and all that. So then, and I know you guys are going to hear a talk about that a little bit. Think about this later. But then we go to our biomechanics. Just like your warm-up, where you have different phases and have an A warm-up and a B warm-up, guess what? We do the exact same thing for the drills. So that way, if you're really asking a lot from them, so like if they're doing a B-skip and they're clawed back on that hamstring, well, you might not want to do that B-skip every day. So on A day, we will do A-skip, and then on B day, we will do B-skip. You know, and on A day, we might do a single quick leg, on B day, we do a double quick leg. And then as you move forward, your drills will also change and they will also match your different phases. So we have A set and B set. Now here's the other thing you'll notice. I don't like to go higher than basically eight to nine different drills that are different every day. And the reason why, you don't want to get to be way too much. But also from memory. So if you have the big sister, little sister going on, like we talked about, and you may not be able to coach every one of your groups because you only got one coach for like 50 kids. Sometimes that happens, right? You have these packages of workouts that I like to call modules. And so you tell them, hey, we're going to do Banta Speed General Prep, you know, part one. And then they have a script that they're given in your team huddle about what's going to happen that day. So the leaders in your group, the big sisters in your group, or big brothers, will have that script. So you're like, hey, we're about to do module B, you know, or module A, right, for Banta Speed today. And then they'll go through, and they'll have, you know, anywhere from seven to nine different things they got to do in that module. Now, why that? Well, think about it. How many numbers do you have on your cell phone? How many numbers do you have? If you include your area code, how many numbers are there? 10. So guess what your workable memory is for most people? Like a workable memory to have to recall numbers, recall facts, recall things. It's about 7 to 10, right? So any one of these modules that you put together shouldn't be any bigger than that. Don't make it any bigger. So then they're like, oh, what do I got to do next? Oh, yeah, it's now it's time to do a B-skin. Or now it's time to do our quickly because that's the next one in the order. I can remember that. And so when you do these little packages, and you can name them fun things, that keep the kids interested and entertained. So the first two packages that I have up here, that's our basic skill sets. And then what we do from there is we add additional things in to make it tougher or more interesting. So one of the things we'll do, we do different hand positions. Now why do I do that? Because I want them to just slightly be tweaked so that they still have to concentrate and they still have to focus on just a slight variation of their hips 
and their trunk and their posture. It forces them to concentrate on being in a different position. And it keeps it interesting, but yet they can still do an A-skip with their hands on their head and their hands up here, but it makes it harder. The reason why it makes it harder is your arms are your training wheels, right, for your body. They help you counter-rotate alternate forces. When you take the arms away, now the hips and the core have to do all and that slight little tweak is just a slight little overload, but also keeps it interesting for your sprinters. But everybody does this, by the way, in the community. But it keeps it interesting. It helps them maintain their focus. Another thing we'll do, and I mean, I'll just use the line here on this. But we have our sprinters not stand in a lane. We have them stand on the line. Why do I have them stand on the line? They can go forward and not waste momentum. Right. We're not wasting momentum. We want to go straight forward, and I want them to be narrowly focused. I don't want them to be like, you know, there's a lot of football guys, and they do this weird wide thing, and act like their legs are twice as big as they are, right? I don't want them. In track and field, we're trying to go straight. So I have them on a line. It makes them focus. It, it makes them narrow down their gaze. It keeps their attention, and that way they're not going <coughs> over here, or they're not going over here. Now, if they do do that, then it's time for you as the coach to go, wait, there might be an overload here, there might be an injury, there might be a problem. Also, when kids are doing their drills and when they're doing their warm-ups, this is not a time for you guys to sit back and talk about the bad kid in your class for that day. You're coaching the warm-up. You're coaching the drills. Now, one of the values of people poo-poo drills all the time, too. Don't be that person. Don't be the person that poo-poo drills. Okay? For high school kids, because a lot of the research they do, even when they do athletic populations, they don't do athletic populations with high school kids. It's adults. Well, when they're adults, their, their nervous system is hardwired, right? When you become, as a man, when we're 27 years old, that's when our brain finally is fully done developing. When a woman's brain's like 23. That causes some really relationship issues, by the way, when you're in your early 20s, let me tell you. Okay, thank God I tricked my wife and the brain, you know, and it worked out. But anyway, okay. So that's something you have to be aware of, is that you can still learn, you can still improve, and a lot of that research is flawed because of how they did the research. So what do drills do? They improve flexibility through the motion, okay? They improve specific strength through those actions, and then, yes, they actually improve the, 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 the running itself, but then the last thing is it helps you catch injuries. So when a kid is doing a drill and they're doing a high knee, and all of a sudden, one ankle is way lower than the other leg. That's an opportunity to grab the kid, pull out of practice, talk to them about what's going on. And they say, well, you know, I tweak my ankle in basketball today. Now, that doesn't mean you totally pull them out of the warm-up. See if, the, if it changes as the warm-up goes along. If the warm-up doesn't change things, the mobility doesn't improve, that kid's got to have a B workout, B, C, D workout. So you use the drills as a diagnostic tool to figure out if they have readiness for the workout. So that's really important. So now, we put them on line, we have different hand positions for different drills. The other thing we do, we go the opposite way around the track with drills too. And we do the drills on a curve, a lot of times. Why do we do drills on a curve? Do you need good mechanics when you're running on a curve? Of course, right? So we do drills on the curve. So they're going one way around the track and then they go the opposite way around the track doing the drills on the curve. We also mix up surfaces. One of the things I found is that if I'm always on the track, all the time doing my drills, 
I get a lot of kids responding to feet and shin issues, especially my distance runners, but my sprinters get that too. By moving to the turf, if you have turf or if you have a grass field you can get on. Now we don't do grass and turf all the time because they still need to know how it feels to come off the ground off the track, right? But we'll move them to grass and to the turf. And what we found is by doing that, we have way less shin splints, way less foot injuries because now they're not pounding that hard surface all the time. But we slide that in once every three days, okay? If we're gonna go for a long period of time with good weather, okay? So, drills on the curve, drills on the straight, goofy hand positions, going the normal way around the track, going the opposite way around the track. Again, to provide balance, to build up the muscles, to change things up, and keep it interesting. And so, like, maybe Monday, we'll do A and we'll do it normal. Tuesday, we'll do the B set, and we'll do it normal. Wednesday, we might do it on a curve. Thursday, we'll do the opposite set of drills on a curve. And then Friday, we might do goofy hand positions. And so you keep it interesting, and the kids are constantly focused, because what you don't want kids to become is docile or bored in their training. Because once they become bored, or once they become docile, learning is not happening. You understand? Now, another thing that we do, is we will also add in miniature sprints after the drills. So in phase two, it's kind of our build-up phase. It's where we add a little bit of volume. We don't necessarily add any more drills in. Some of the drills become technically more difficult as we move through the different phases, but we'll also add in a mini sprint. So now they might do a high knee for 20 meters, and then they'll do a 30-meter build-up out of the high knee drill. Okay? And then we do that every other drill. We don't want to do that every drill, that would be too much. But we usually do that every other drill. And then we'll do the same thing for uh, day two for the B part of the workout. Or, instead of adding in a mini sprint, we'll do it on a slight hill. So now you're doing you know, high knees or butt kicks on a slight hill, going up and going down. Again, change of surface, a change of intensity, but they're not seeing it every day and you're giving them at least 48 hours to recover but there's variety in there as you improve. And then when we get to the last phase, I like to combine my drills together. So they'll do an A skip, B skip conflict. So they'll go A, A, B, B, or they'll do a high knee that blends into a butt kick that blends into an A run. And so that's in our phase three. So we take these drills and we smash them together to make them more technically difficult. And we'll tell them from here to here, Cone to cone, you're going to do these drills, and then from here to here, you're going to do this, so that they know exactly what they're supposed to do. And that keeps things more intense, they're more aware, they're better in shape, now they can handle the more neurologically difficult drills. Now, when we end any of our sessions, we end with uh, accelerations. We traditionally do a three-point combine start, so we do it where you know, the hand is lined up with the big toe, Okay, and then there's a set, butt comes up, I clap, and they spread out. And I'll hold them for different things. And why do we do that? Because now we're trying to put everything together, and it's a way for me to get a lot of like short sprints in or short accelerations in. And then also it gives me, I can line up on, on turf, I can line up like 100 kids on the turf, and I can get them all in a spot, and say set, and we're all in the three point. And the reason why we do that instead of blocks is how long does it take to get in and out of blocks? Ridiculous, right? You don't have time for that. Not for a warm-up especially. But all of our kids accelerate. Our jumpers, our throwers, our distance runners, and our sprinters, they all do this. Okay?
because you never know when one might actually end up being on a relay or on a different event. And then I will hold them in that combine football position for different time intervals. And I'll change my voice up. So I'll be like, set, set, set. And I'll, you know, then I'll hold, you know, and I'll clap. And then you'll see kids jump off. And if they jump off, you know, and we have them all do push-ups. Every kid does push-ups. And so by doing that, I'm forcing them to learn how to accelerate. But I'm also forcing them to listen for the clap. I'm also changing up the voice. And I'm making them more disciplined to the commands. So that we don't have a lot of jumping off. off and have false starts. And thankfully, knock on wood, we haven't had a false start in a major competition in a long, 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 long time. And no pulls. So we've had no muscle pulls and no false starts. So that's stuff that takes you away from getting to do the fun stuff, which is racing fast. So we do that at the end because we want to put it all together and we want to control it. Okay?